I get excited. I can look at the Bible a lot of times and I can read something and I can say, I don't know how I could ever make this happen. Right? You look at things that God does and God says he's going to do. Like if he's going to turn the waters to blood or the moon to blood and the sun, all this types of stuff that you're like, I have no control over that whatsoever. I can't just make things like that happen. But I get excited in the Bible when I see something that he says he wants to do or that he shows us his heart is about. And I think we could be part of that. We could do that. And so we're going to look at, at Malachi 4 today. And uh, this is a Father's Day message. So there might be a dad joke in there somewhere. There might be at least one dad joke. I'm not sure. You might laugh when you're not supposed to, and you might not laugh when you're supposed to. I don't know. We'll see. See, there's one right there. It just happened. It didn't plan it. But Malachi, the book of Malachi may be the name of a person. It's in the Minor Prophets. Or it may just simply mean messenger of Yahweh. There's some controversy or you know discussion. We all have different viewpoints on if Malachi was actually a person or if somebody wrote this and they just said this is a message from God. This is messenger of God. It's the last book in the Old Testament, in the Bible. It's speculated that it was written between 538 and 515 before Christ. It's written to Israel, God's children. It addresses some shortcomings, some disobedience in, in different areas, including you know giving, a divorce, uh, being in uh, belief in being in God's chosen. And he addresses the coming judgment day. And I'm sure there's different viewpoints on some of this two on what the judgment day looks like, when it happens, how we all get there. And like, I'm not going to try to, you know, go there today necessarily. But um, we're going to look at Malachi 4 because it does talk a little bit about judgment, but it's the end of it that we're going to focus on when we talk about fathers and things that maybe we could do and partner with God on that we're with, within our physical ability. So uh, Malachi 4, we're gonna, I'm going to read the whole um, six verses, and it says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer, which is none of us, will be chaff, right? And that day is coming, and, and, that, day, and that day is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of armies. So that will leave them neither root nor branches. But for you who fear the, for you who fear my name, the sun, and that's S-U-N of righteousness, will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go forth and frolic like calves with, from the stall. And you will crush the wicked underfoot, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I am preparing, says the Lord of armies. I find it interesting that the same sun that rises and burns away the chaff also uh, of the evildoers is the same sun that rises with healing in its wings for those who fear the Lord. It's interesting to me that for some, you know, it's like the wicked witch of the east and west, or, you know, you throw water on one and it melts her. The, you know, the other one, it brings life. You know, it's, it's just interesting how God, God's power and presence works. And in, in verse 4, it says, Remember the law of Moses, my servant, the statutes and ordinances, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel. For behold, or behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and strike the land with complete destruction. So, so verses 5 and 6 
will be our focus this morning in the Father Day's context. And, and this verse, this, these two verses are kind of quoted in Luke, um, Luke 1.17. Luke references, as he writes, um, as he, as he re- records what the angel said to Zechariah when um, Zechariah goes into the temple and the angel lets him know that he's going to be a father. And, and the angel says to Zechariah, he says that um, he will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers back to their children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This, this is interesting to me, that the hearts of the fathers turning to their children helps make people ready and prepared for the Lord to come. It's, not, it's, the, it's a good point that the hearts of the fathers are turning towards their children. That's really good. But it actually, that is happening, is turning heart. It, it is actually preparing people for the day of the Lord, for the day of judgment. See, um, there is a day coming in the future called the day of the Lord. And, um, you know, today it's Father's Day, it's, it's our day, it's, it's my day. But God's, God's going to have a day. He wants to have a day too. And, and for those who fear him, there's, there's nothing to fear. But for those who don't, it's a day of destruction. It's a terrible day. That's how it can be a great and terrible day. Right? So, um, and here's the dad joke. I, when I read this, I see that God's judgment is always well done. So for those who fear the Lord, it's well done, good and faithful servant. But for those who don't, it's they're going to be well done. Okay, I don't. Okay, so that's just the way I looked at it. I thought about that, um, and I don't take judgment lightly because I don't think God takes judgment lightly. It, I guess it just depends on which side you're on. But um, I and I, you know, kind of being funny, but I want to clarify that God does not want to have His day without warning. He doesn't want to have His day without more than a fair chance, without people's hearts aware that He is a good Father and a good God who wants to destroy evil without having to destroy people. He wants evil destroyed. That's what he wants chased out. That's what he wants destroyed. It's not, it's not the people that he wants to destroy, but everybody has a choice. I believe that's his heart. I believe God's heart is bent on restoration, not just on destruction. When I read Malachi 4, 6 and Luke 1, 17, I see a key to people being prepared for the day of the Lord, and that's good fathering. That's fathers and children's hearts being turned towards each other. There's something, there's something good about connected hearts between fathers and children and children and fathers that changes people, and I say it fosters righteousness. Like, People just seeing a connectedness in family between family members to things that have a tendency to separate fosters righteousness. That's God's righteousness. But but that unfortunately isn't really where we're we're at right now in our society. Um, That I found some slides on the National Fatherhood Institute initiative. It's called National Fatherhood Initiative, and this isn't to to bring you down, but. Rhonda's going to show us some slides to kind of show us where we're at right now. And 
Yeah, these slides are a little bit behind, but I don't think you would disagree too much. And so I'm going to, she's going to go through these. We're going to read them. The absence of a biological father contributes to, to increased risk of child maltreatment. Um, so next one, we're just going to roll through these. Adolescent boys with absent fathers are more likely to engage in delinquency than those who are, who, who, those with fathers who are present. Uh, individuals from father absent homes, they say are 279%. I don't know where they got 279. I'd lean towards 80, but I don't, but are more likely to carry guns and deal drugs than their peers living with their fathers. Uh, father involvement in schools, this is real positive. If, when fathers are involved with schools, um, there's a higher likelihood of, likelihood of student getting mostly A's. Uh, ch- children raised in a father absent home are more likely to experience behavioral problems. One in four children, it says, live in a home without a dad. Children living in female-headed homes with no spouse present have a poverty rate of 47.6%, over four times the rate for children living in married couples' families. The number of children with an incarcerated father grew 79% between 91 and 2007. And children involved with dads are less likely to be mistreated. Children who live with their dads do better in school. Involved dads improve their children's overall emotional and social well-being. And men with absent fathers are more likely to become absent fathers themselves. So, I don't know, how many more do we have, Rhonda? Just a couple. Children living without their father in the home are 47% more likely to live in poverty. Uh, higher quality father-daughter relationships is a protective factor against engagement in risky sexual behavior. I think, in my mind, any sexual behavior is risky. <laughs> that I wouldn't want my kids to be involved in. But anyhow, um, what you're seeing, I think, is that when fathers aren't present, and I'm not putting this on moms, I'm not trying to put any guilt on anybody who's going through or been through divorces, or, you know, this is not... This is not a guilt trip. This is just true that there's something to be course corrected. You know, guys, we have a big responsibility in, in handling ourselves and managing our attitudes and ourselves and uh, being present as good fathers. Um, and with all these like staggering numbers that I just threw out threw out to you, um, what, I, I think there's there's hope that when the enemy can't see sometimes when the enemy can't keep something from happening. So he's, there's going to be fathers, right? He certainly will try to pervert it. He wants to perv- pervert the ineffective, the effectiveness of fathers. Um, God sent John the Baptist to prepare the way. He sent Jesus to show us God as his father, and God as a good father. And the, and the enemy, he couldn't, he didn't stop that. He couldn't stop Jesus coming and doing that. But he certainly has tried to pervert that through um, maybe natural ways of what fatherhood looks like. To, to us, our experience with fatherhood. So he could, he could, he's tried to deceive us that, um, that we don't need fathers. We, we don't need to have fathers in our household. We, that's, we can kind of believe that. When things start looking poor and like fathers aren't responding, well, we're just going to change the rules. We don't need fathers. 
Um, uh, but he can in- influence fathers to be absent instead of present, whether they live in the house or not. And uh, the enemy is going to tell us we don't need family. Family structure doesn't matter. I think we see that trying to happen even more, right? Um, uh, then, like, he deceives some of us to say, oh, well, I, I don't even know how to con- connect to today's generation. So I'm just, I'm just going to take my hands off the wheel. I, I don't know how to connect to today's generation. Um, and, like, then the other thing, the big thing that I see is that even tries to deceive us into thinking that it would be better off to not have babies so that there won't be any chance of bad fathering, which eliminates the possibility of good fathering. The enemy's at work. He's at work. He's trying to deceive us into breaking down um, the value for family, the value for fathers. And, uh, you know, he'll go after mothers next. I'm not, I'm not sure how. I'm sure we could come up with ways, but he'll, he'll, go, off, he'll go after mothers next. Mothers are a little bit harder because they got that mama bear instinct. Don't take my kids from me. <laughs> right? Um, but here's the, here's the good news. Healthy relationships between fathers and children is God's heart. It's one of those things that's not going to be stopped. God's going to have his way. In fact, I see healthy relationships between fathers and children and children as fathers as a way maker. It's a way maker. It's something that helps make a way back to the father. I was at a wedding last night and I saw this happen. And I don't don't know if this translates well or not. It did for me. But after the wedding and in the the celebration, they do a father-daughter dance, right? Father and and the father of the bride and the bride, they dance. And as that dance was happening, I saw people's faces, and I could see it in, in, in women's faces particularly, but I could see it in, in people's faces as, as that dance reminded them of their father. It reminded them of something that, that drew them back to a place that softened their heart and created an opening. Just the two um, dancing out there together. And I don't know if it reminded them of fathers. I don't know if it was, I, I think it was a happy, a happy thing that I saw happening. But, you know, maybe they were just missing their father. I, you know, I know in, in our house that, uh, that Beth misses her dad sometimes. And, um, you know, maybe she just wants to get to do that dance again. But it's, it softens hearts to see the father and the daughters, and the fathers and the childrens come together. And I, I know some of you have lost your fathers, and you miss them. But seeing the father and the bride having a dance together, like, created a way. Creates a way. It softens the heart. It opens people up. And could you imagine what the world would think and what they would say when they see the father and the bride together, dancing face to face. We're the bride. We're his church. Could you imagine the face to face? See what they would say when they see us having a face to face moment. Us, us, him leading and us following. A face to face moment with God. And what if our face to face moments with God reminded us? and the rest of the world that God is a good God.
What if we look to God to help us do what he wants to do before the day of judgment as opposed to looking for just signs of the times? And I'm not, I'm not pointing any fingers at anyone personally. I'm talking kind of as the church as a whole. I, I grew up in the 70s and the 80s, and we were constantly wondering when Jesus was going to come back, and we're looking for signs of the time. And are you going to take a mark on your forehead or your, your wrist? Or, um, you know, is, like, I remember like when debit cards came out, it was like, that's truly the beast, right? <laughs> that's like Antichrist beast stuff. It's going to have a pin number attached to it, and they are going to, it's like, that, that everything was the beast, right? We were, and we were so focused on the signs of the times instead of looking at what God says he wants to do before the time that he comes and saying, I want to join you in the things that I can join you in. I'd never been a father before I had kids. <laughs> there, see? You guys are paying attention a little bit. Some of us have been around the We've been around the merry-go-round a couple on the, with the kids, and you know, some of us have some experience. And whether you think you did a good job or not, you got some experience. And I tell you, today's generation and next generation, from the slides that we see, needs some healthy fathering. And if you've been around the merry-go-round a few times on that, you you might be just the person God's looking for to speak into the kid's life. The priority is we'll have to. The priority bar will have to to raise up a little bit in that. Because I think we probably beat ourselves up too much. Or we think we can't connect to the next generation. And we, we have to be able to, to win that battle. Because God does want to turn, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the children to the fathers. And it is a sign of the last days, I think. If, if it isn't exactly what his plan is for right now. If that's what his plan was for then and he already did it. I still can see his heart and know that he wants the world to know that he's a good father. Sometimes I feel like we've done a better job of educating the world around us that we're waiting for Antichrist and Armageddon than just going after what he wants to do. He's looking for people who are looking for his heart. That's all he's looking for. People who say yes to his heart. I will follow you. You know, Chanda, you touched on it this morning. I wonder sometimes if my frustration or anxiety or whatever it is I feel in the moment is like, God, is it just me fighting your will? Like, I think sometimes I'm thinking maybe the enemy's coming against me and I'm like, maybe I'm just fighting God's will. Maybe it's my will fighting his will. I'm like, I started thinking that. I'm like, oh, gosh, I would really want to correct that <laughs> if that's the problem. I don't think we realize sometimes how strong our will is. Like, well, if God wills, he's going to do it, but I bet you he's not going to force you to. Like, he'll go do it somewhere else, maybe. He might work around you. But my will is really strong. It is easy for us to resist his will. I want to encourage all the fathers today that you are something really special. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up for just a few minutes. And I want to know, guys... I want to know if you would come up front here, if you are 16 and older, whether you are a father already or not. I want to know if you guys would come up here, and I want to pray for you. God, I just thank you for for these families in this church and this body that you are awakening uh, fatherhood. You're awakening um, that the world actually needs what you have for them. 
that your ways are better than our ways. We ask you to bless their day, bless their celebration. Somebody, I think somebody's going to get an unexpected call from a, a broken relationship with their child or something they weren't expecting from their child. Some of you guys are going to get that. And so I'm really excited about that. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.